into cybersecurity? There's a ton of content out there, and if you don't know where to start, it can be overwhelming, even paralyzing. So let's fix that. Welcome to Simply Cyber, a community of tens of thousands of aspiring and active cybersecurity professionals focused on networking, knowledge sharing, and professional development. I'm Dr. Gerald Dozier, Chief Content Creator at Simply Cyber, inviting you to get the answers to your cybersecurity problems with hundreds of cybersecurity videos answering your frequently asked questions, interviewing industry experts, and live streaming daily cyber threat briefings hosted by me. Now get the stories and insights you won't find anywhere else. Hit subscribe now and dig into all the fresh content on the channel and in the community. Nothing should stop you from launching and leveling up your cybersecurity career today. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the show. It is Tuesday, but it's really like a Monday. Kind of feels like it. It is September 5th, 2023, episode number 444 of Simply Cyber's Daily Cyber Threat Briefing. I'm your host, Dr. Gerald Dozier. And over the next 45 minutes, hopefully you all can hear me. All right. Hopefully you guys got the audio, the uh, sound effect check. Catch me outside. How about that? All right. We'll confirm that. If you catch me outside, how about that? Got my intro up in here. Good morning, everybody. Let's rock and roll. Hope you had a great three-day weekend. Over the next 45 minutes, me, you, Marcus Kyler, Zombie Guy, Justin, Alfredo uh, Hinojosa, Matthew Necci, Not Only IT, The Mods, Kimberly, Will Lopez, Emilio Garcia, Jordan Glosek, people coming in from LinkedIn, people coming in from YouTube, squad members, first-timers, long-timers. I hope you felt your battery get recharged this weekend because we're coming in hot today, my friend. Welcome to Simply Cyber's Daily Cyber Threat Brief, where we go over the top cybersecurity news stories of the day, and I bring in my thoughts and opinions on all of those stories. It is a Tuesday during the fall semester, so I'm all citadeled out. I'll be coming in uh, super hot into the citadel right after this stream ends, so no jaw jacking at the end. In fact, I got to boogie out just a few minutes early because I got a, a phone call meeting I got to take from the car while in transit. Ugh, commuters, commutes. You youngs don't know how, how we used to have it with the commute. <laughs> uh, so anyways, we're going to have a good t uh, show today. If you are live in chat, how about that? Say um, what's up and good morning. Super chat, just showing the support. Did we just become best friends? Yep. Evan Barnett, thank you, my friend. Wow. Definitely love it. Hey, what's up, all? So if you're here live in chat, uh, let me actually get rid of this. Um, let me get rid of this overlay here. That's not, hold on. What are we doing here? What are we doing here? Is this like my first stream? Bruh. <laughs> what are we doing? Look, hold on. Let's get rid of this. Let's get rid of this. Get rid of that. Come on. Come on, guy. You take a three-day weekend off and all of a sudden you're a slob. Just a sloppy, sloppy mess stream. There we go. Now we got our Chiron and our count. 167 of you beautiful people here today. Hashtag team live if you're in chat right now. And if you're a first timer, uh, hashtag first timer in chat, let us know that it's your first stream. And you're like, oh my God, what is this up to? This is crazy. Um, remember, each episode of the Daily Cyber Threat Brief is worth half a CPE. So be sure to say what's up. Take a screen cap, fire it into a folder, and uh, save it as needed if you ever get audited. But definitely get credit for these CPEs 
Also, my folks on replay, hashtag team replay. I missed you guys over the weekend, three-day weekend. Uh, you know, you get so used to the, to the routine of uh, two days off and back at the grind. Uh, so the third day, definitely enjoyed it. Got connected with the family. Mrs. Ozier put in some uh, some some cycles in the in the studio. Rob Taub is coming in first time. Nunu Dazi first. Oh, hold on. Let me say that right. Nunu, Nunu Zai first time. Oh, no, that's Team Live. Advent Max first timer. What's up, first timers? Good to see you. Love it. Love it. I saw another first timer. Blake Stimmick. Blake, my friend, welcome to the party. You're going to have a good time today. All right, guys. So, uh, yeah, definitely put in some work. Hopefully, you guys are recharged and ready to go. If it's your first time, hashtag first time. I see you guys uh, in here. Kevin Green, my friend, fourth timer. Cheers. Coffee cup cheers to y'all. Uh, let me take a good slug. Then we'll do uh, sponsor reads, and then we'll get into the news. Oh, so good, that French roast. All right, guys. I want to say shout out. And holler to Barricade Cyber Solutions, y'all. Barricade Cyber Solutions is dedicated to helping businesses from cyber attacks and recover from the damage done. Cyber attacks can cause massive issues for businesses and send dedicated, hardworking business owners into turmoil. But Barricade Cyber Solutions knows how to mitigate the damage done by cyber incidents. Believe that. Check them out at BarricadeCyber.com. If you're watching live us or watching the video feed right now, you see their website. Uh, down to the bottom left is Eric Taylor. Good man, good friend, uh, member of the Simply Cyber community. You can get on his calendar right here very easily. If you're actively dealing with an incident, you can also notify him that way just as well. want to say shout out to Panopsi Security. Panopsi, guys, if you want to get a partner, a teammate, um, not exactly an MDR, but a group that can help you achieve your cybersecurity mission, at your organization, Panopsi is definitely one to consider. How does that work? You contact them, they come in, they look at your situation, they assess threat landscape, resources, budget, your current maturity level of your InfoSec program, and then they develop a beautiful roadmap uh, outlined with priorities of risk reduction, outlined with what cost and spend will be. Obviously, they'll work with you uh, to find a solution that works for your budget. Um, because you can't invest all the money into InfoSec. It's hard enough to get a couple bucks, am I right? So Panopsi Security, if you're looking to take your cybersecurity program from reactive to proactive and start really delivering cyber risk reduction for your business. Also want to say shout out to Anti-Siphon Training, but more about them at the mid-roll as we are known to do. Oh, guys, it feels good. Feels good to be back in the studio. Let me lower this a little bit. All right. All right, guys. So do me a favor. Get your coffee cup or your favorite beverage, whatever it is. Sit back. Relax. They are quite discreet, Kevin Green. Very professional organization. I know the owner of the company quite well. I'm actually, I actually, oddly enough, I actually got asked to be uh, on the advisory board for Panopsi. Uh, last week, uh, a responsibility that I gave consideration to, and then I accepted that responsibility. So that's how much I feel about them. All right. Hey, Alana. Good to see you. Hopefully you caught that cyber insurance video on replay. Great stuff out of there. All right, guys. Do me a favor. Sit back, relax, and let the cool sounds of the hot news Mercy! wash over you in an awesome wave. Let's get to the news, y'all.
From the CISO series, it's cybersecurity headlines. Let me know if the it's podcast Tuesday, is too loud or not. September 5th, 2023. New PDF Maldoc allows evasion of antivirus. Researchers from Japanese cybersecurity research firm JPCERT-CC have identified a new technique for evading antivirus technology that is achieved by embedding a Microsoft Word file into a PDF. Called Maldoc in PDF by the researchers, that's spelled M-A-L-D-O-C, this polyglot has already been seen in the wild. They're quoted in the Hacker News saying, quote, a file created with Maldoc in PDF can be opened in Word, even though it has magic numbers and file structure of PDF. They continue, if the file has a configured macro, by opening it in Word, VPS runs and performs malicious behaviors. What? End quote. All right. So a couple things. One, TJ with the uh, gifted subs. Thank you so much, uh, TJ. Can we just become best friends? Yep. If you're one of the lucky members like Leonardo Nunez who just uh, got picked up squad membership, thank you very much. Enjoy that. Uh, congratulations again on the OSCP, Leonardo. Uh, definitely don't be shy with the squad uh, membership emo tray. We get some Oprahs. I always love throwing the Oprahs around uh, when the uh, gifted subs come out. All right, so... I, 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 ooh, hello. I do like a good screenshot. I, I'm an infographic guy, but a good screenshot's always nice. Um, just as a reminder, I do not prepare or research any of these stories in advance, so you're getting my active, real-time responses to this. All right, so a couple of things. Uh, one, I, I don't know if the coffee hasn't taken hold yet or, or what, but I was slightly kind of confused of this particular attack. Um... Hold on one second. So basically, it's a PDF. It looks like a PDF. And when they say, uh, by the way, in here, when they say magic numbers, magic numbers, as far as I know, is like when you look at a file in hex, the file, pro like the standard file protocol formats um, are, are, are known, right? So like a famous one is uh, portable executables, right? So EXE files or DLL files in Windows systems. It's, uh, what is it, 4D5A. Um, like if you look at any, any Microsoft Windows executable, the, uh, the, force, the first four bytes in, um, in the, in the uh, file will be 4D5A, and that's, that's the magic number, right? So you can look at it and instantly know, uh, which translate to MZ. Uh, which are the initials of like one of the original developers a million years ago. Okay, so that's what it's saying here. It's saying it has the magic numbers and the file structure of a PDF, right? So when a computer looks at it, it is seeing a PDF. However, you are able to open it in Word. And because you can open it in Word, you'll be able to run, it, it can run macros, right? And I, I'm assuming here, I didn't get all the deal out of this story here, but I'm assuming... Um, you know, Microsoft has like nerfed macros because threat actors were using macros to run code all the time, including being able to reach out to servers, being able to um, write fileless malware like or execute PowerShell and stuff like that right to disk. So macros basically got nerfed. Now, what they're saying here is because of this technique, they you are able to run macros and VBS will run uh, and perform malicious behaviors, as you can see here. So my suspicion is that um, 
Microsoft is going to do something to kind of help identify this and curb this. Uh, be careful, uh, obviously, um, educate your end users. Um, even though this will work because, you know, uh, Microsoft Word will run it right now and not know that it's a, a doc file instead of a PDF. There's still all sorts of like wiggy considerations. Like if you're getting um, an email that you're not expecting, uh, if you're seeing uh, websites that don't make any sense, like, I don't know, like not, this isn't even a website. This is like a resource. Like literally it's an MSI. Oh, wait, you can't see. I'm like zooming in and writing it on the screen. This is an MSI file executable, which is, I forget what the acronym stands for, but it's like a Microsoft installer type thing. So you've got to, you got, you know, there'll be these uh, hallmarks and indicators of problems. Also, if an MSI runs, correct me if I'm wrong, uh, admins, when an MSI runs, there is visual indication to the end user. I don't know if there's like a quiet mode or a silent mode. Sometimes executable installers will have silent mode so you don't get a visual indicator to the end user, but um, pretty clever. This is another one of those like great examples of threat actors cat and mouse game, right? Like Microsoft nerfs uh, macros, and then all of a sudden uh, we find some way to like malform the file format to look like a PDF, but actually be a, uh, uh, um, a Microsoft Word one. This is a good one if you're looking to break into the industry to have in your back pocket uh, to explain in a job interview. I know it's a little bit more technical and a little bit more involved, but um, if someone dropped this on me in an interview, I'd be like, oh, like that that is interesting uh, because I, I've assumed macros are basically uh, nerfed. Okay, so BSEC is confirming there is a silent mode, so there's no guarantee. You can educate your end users to be mindful of visual pop-ups, like it's 1995, and you're going to see some type of shell pop and then go away. Uh, so, all right, anyways, clever, clever, tricky, tricky, uh, tricky threat actors today. Min IO storage system being used to compromise servers. These exploits are being performed by an unknown threat actor with the goal of achieving code execution on affected servers. This is according to a report from cybersecurity and incident response firm Security Joes, who stated, quote, the intrusion leveraged a publicly available exploit chain to backdoor the MinIO instance, end quote. The vulnerabilities in question are numbered CVE 2023-28432 with a CVSS score of 7.5 and uh, 28434 with a score of 8.8. .8. .8. This second CVE was added to the CISA Known Exploited Vulnerabilities Catalog on April 21st. Okta warns of... All right. All right, so it sounds like if you're running MinIO, which as you can see here, this is a Shodan. If you don't know what Shodan is, Shodan.io is a website that allows you to do passive uh, reconnaissance. Um, MinIO shows 52,125 instances as of this screen cap, which I assume would be, um, you know, like relatively recent. Although, uh, the timestamps in the graphic do say July 19th, 2023. So your mileage may vary. If I had the time, I, I would just, well, maybe I do have the time. Uh, we'll, we'll do it in a second. Um. But anyways, you can see that it's very easy to find these and that they're they're saying threat actors are actively exploiting them. So obvious couple things here. One, if you're running MinIO, you should absolutely take action on this one. Second of all, it, it I'm not saying it's sophisticated threat actor, but 
you do have to chain these exploits together in order to uh, uh, achieve full compromise of the system. Chaining means, you know, basically what you would think. You have to exploit multiple vulnerabilities along the way. Um, so that increases the level of skill and difficulty, one could argue. Um, but they're saying an unknown threat actor is weaponizing the flaws uh, to achieve this. So even though it's like exploitable and it's out there, there is somebody out there, some person or some group that is actively targeting these things and going YOLO on them. Uh, I'm not saying it's uh, clop ransomware, but if you think about the way that move it um, compromise happened, that was a really famous one just recently. We're still feeling the effects of, but that was one very similar, right? Where there was a um, major vulnerability with a piece of software that was internet accessible and there was a threat actor targeting it and going, you know, going ham across multiple instances of that vulnerability. This, this has uh, vibes of that as well. I'm not saying they're doing data Excel. I'm just pointing out the, the, the fact that um, it, it's similar in the way that you can find it, attack it, and someone's doing it quite a bit. Um, yeah, so if you're running MinIO, be mindful of that. Also, uh, interesting, uh, yet another, for me personally, yet another technology that I never heard of that apparently is out there in the wild quite a bit uh, that threat actors are, are hacking. IT help desk attacks. Okta, an identity and access management company, has issued a warning about a new wave of social engineering attacks aimed at IT service desk agents at some of its U.S.-based customers. The company says these attacks are aimed at Okta super administrator accounts in order to get them to reset MFAs for power users. According to Bleeping Computer, quote, Okta has provided indicators of compromise for attacks observed between July 29th and August 19th, end quote, and has also provided a list of IP addresses associated with these attacks, as well as security measures that should be taken for all customers. Germany anticipates... All right, you know what? This is actually a topic that we don't talk about very often. In fact, I can't remember the last time I've talked about this on stream. All right, so here's the deal, okay? This is a perfect example of, uh, of bypassing or... or circumventing, compromising, multi-factor authentication. So you gotta remember guys, multi-factor authentication, yes, you should do it all over the place, okay? Everywhere you can, you should have multi-factor. That does not mean that it is a bulletproof solution. It just lowers your risk. You can never achieve zero risk, right? You're always kind of getting, you're always taking one, you're always cutting the distance by half to the wall, right? I don't know if this metaphor makes sense, but like if I'm going to walk to the wall, which is like 10 feet away, I can walk five feet, half the distance, right? And that's like MFA and InfoSec training. And then I can walk another half a distance, two and a half feet, MDR, um, PAM. And then I could take another step, 1.25, right? And I'm really close to the wall and I've got network segmentation and I've got, um, you know, like temporal or geolocation login uh, screening and email security gateway. And I could take another step to the wall and I'm doing malware detonation chambers and I've got a reverse engineer on staff and I could take it. I'm never going to get to the wall. I am never going to get to the wall. I am continuing to increase my, my security posture. I'm continuing to reduce risk. I'm always getting half the distance to the wall, but guys, I'm never going to get to the wall. You have to understand you can never 
eliminate all risk, okay? An MFA gets, I'm not saying, oh my God, BSEC, of course, right? So check it out. Here's the deal. MFA, like some people just are like, oh, put MFA on and like, we're good to go. Tacos, like, let's just boogie out of here. It's like, no, like it's a huge step. You just covered five feet out of total of 10 feet to the wall, like way to go. I mean, pat yourself on the back, but don't throw your shoulder out because you got another half, you know, five feet to go, right? So check it out. This is an example of MFA bypassing. Now, normally MFA bypassing is done through much more sophisticated, cool, technical hacks, right? Like um, adversary in the middle uh, landing page where they're like getting the creds and getting the MFA and then stealing your token on the way. Or maybe I'm walking into a T-Mobile looking like a BA, getting SIM swapping going down. Yeah, these are techniques. This one, pretty straightforward, but very important. Very important, TLDR. Help desk people have the permissions to reset passwords, to reset MFA, to all the things. And a lot of times we talk about it on stream, help desk, IT support. This is an entry level position a lot of times into the industry. So a lot of times you have junior people. A lot of times you have people who do not have the exposure and experience to understand how valuable their permissions are. So you get somebody calling in. Hey, what's up? It's uh, Jesse Johnson here calling from uh, Colorado. I, I kind of got crazy on my 3D, three-day weekend over at the Avery Brewing. And dude, I've got a, a, a meeting with the CEO of Joel Bellin's Ice Cream Shop in 20 minutes. And I, I lost my MFA token, fell into a pint of beer. Bro, you've got to help me. Help desk. The name is literally help desk. Help they're, they're trained. They are conditioned to solve the problem of the person on the phone and do it quickly. That, that's how they get measured. They have metrics on how well they're performing. How quickly are you converting these calls? How happy are your survey results, right? So if you, it, it's like a perfect storm, dude. Like you've got someone on the phone who has the permissions to disable MFA or reset MFA or give you MFA and you're calling with some problem and they are like, oh, my whole job is in, in the way that I'm incentivized is to solve your problems. So in this case, the threat actors have the username and password already. They do not have multi-factor. They are getting somebody on the inside help desk to reset the MFA or disable it altogether. I'm sure they come up with a compelling ruse. This is why it's so important to talk about. You, InfoSec person listening to this stream, when you are educating your end user population, you should probably carve out a special section and a special meeting with help desk and explain to them how powerful their access is and how frequently they will be targeted. Everyone that works at help desk, they definitely have like a daily meeting or a weekly meeting or whatever. Get, get to the supervisor of help desk and be like, bro or lady, can I please get five minutes of your meeting every week to talk to your staff about stuff like this. I'm telling you, man, an ounce of prevention will save you gallons of heartache if you can get in front of them and educate them on this kind of stuff. All right, thank you. It's a cybercrime cost of $224 billion.
This number was presented by Bitkom, B-I-T-K-O-M, a German digital association and is based on their survey of more than 1,000 companies, of which three quarters had been affected by cyber attacks in the past year. But that number is actually down from 84% the year prior, an indicator, the organization says, of improved awareness and protective measures. Germany's economy is considered amongst the strongest in the EU. All right, hold on one second. So Germany's getting hit, um, or cybercrime's $200 billion. All right, like what, what, what are we talking about here? Um, fraud, cyber espionage, intellectual property, extortion. Man, Germany, Germany's just got like a greatest hits album set up right here. My God, this is like Garth Brooks. Um, what was that Garth Brooks album, The Hits? Yeah, yeah, that was a, a little bit of a deep cut. I'm, I'm going there. Um, I guess, you know, Germany is a financial superpower over in Europe. So, it, I mean, cherry picking them for cybercrime, uh, you know, I, I'd actually be kind of curious, like, um, cybercrime, United States, 2023 projections. Let's just compare it to the United States just to kind of get perspective. Um, oh, that isn't useful. That isn't useful. This is why you try to do it. Um, no, it's all about the cyber market. Um, here we go. This is uh, Gartner. Let's look for the dollar number. Ugh. All right, whatever. Sorry. Sorry. Try to do that live. Uh, basically, here's the deal. Um, all you really need to take out of this story is cyber crimes continuing to trend up. The need for people like me and you is going to continue to go up. The fact that people are so you know, five years of experience for an entry-level role needs to change. Um, and again, dude, $200 billion, like, oh my God, like protect, identify and protect left of boom will save you money incurred or lost in right of boom. It, it's simple. I mean, it's not simple. Again, you're never going to get to the wall, but dude, um, it's killing me. Uh, Three quarters uh, were hit by cyber attack. So even though they said $200 billion, uh, this is actually a good sign right here. They're saying last year, 2022, 84% of companies in Germany had a cyber attack. Now it's down to 75%. Of course, we're only in Q3. So we still got three months. The threat actors still have three months to hit those numbers. So I'm sure they're... Um, I'm <laughs> I'm sure their uh, their managers, the the bad guys' managers, are like showing them the chart, like a Dilbert cartoon, and telling them that they really need to push through for um, for Q4. Um, anyways, this report looks like it. I'm gonna drop this report in chat. This report has a lot of good statistics. I do like statistics, uh, cybercrime stats. So go ahead and and use that for whatever benefit you want. But um, basically, this is. This is an interesting story, but it's a, it's, to me, it's a nothing story because this is just par for the course, dude. Like, cybercrime, yes, it's wicked bad. How bad? $200 billion bad in Germany. You know? It sucks. And now, a word from our sponsor, Comcast DataBee. Data rules everything around us. But why are the people who need data the most unable to access it? What if you could boost the productivity of your security teams and their ability to collaborate by providing them access to the same shared and enriched data? 
You can with DataBee from Comcast Technology Solutions. Learn how DataBee can help your organization make better informed decisions quickly and cost-effectively. Visit Comcast slash DataBee, that is C-O-M-C-A dot S-T slash DataBee, D-A-T-A-B-E-E. You can also access a link through the Comcast Yeah, Marcus, I was just about to do that. On the show notes to this episode. Marcus Kyler picked it up. Data rules everything around me. Dream. Data, data bills, y'all. Great cash, homie. <laughs> All right, guys. Hey, for those who it's its first time, I saw a couple new people in there. Two, three people uh, first time. This is the mid-roll. We do this every mid-roll. All right, guys, want to say thank you all so very much. I really, really hope you're enjoying the show and getting value. Um, I really hope you're enjoying the show and getting value. Thank you all so very much for being here. 297 on screen, but it says 301 in my restream, so I'm going to take credit for cresting 300 people again uh, on chat. So what, way to go, guys. We are straight crushing it. If you're getting value from the stream, do me a solid and hit the like button on YouTube. The like button. Yes, I know it's a little cringe and uh, a little contrite, but here's the deal. If enough of you hit the like button and enough of you are watching cyber content, like I guarantee many of you are, YouTube algorithm's going to trigger and go find other people who watch um, cyber content and tell them about us. And that's how we get our hashtag first timers. So... Pay it forward. Hit the like button. Thanks again to the stream sponsors, Barricade Cyber, Panopsi Security, and Anti-Siphon Training. Sponsors through the end of 2023, I might add. Anti-Siphon Training, if you don't know about them, they're here to disrupt the traditional training industry by providing high-quality, cutting-edge education to everyone, regardless of their financial position. They have top-tier staff. They have wicked educated practitioners teaching. Think of it as very similar to another really, really popular information security training organization, except the one key difference is the price point. Use the link in the description below for anti-siphon training. Go to the training, go to the pay what you can training, and you'll see right here, they've got all these trainings. These are whatever you want, $0, $25, $300, your choice. Um, Coming up in just a few weeks, the end of September, September 18th, excuse me, John Strand himself will be teaching a four-day course getting started in security with Black Hills and MITRE ATT&CK. I promise you, this is a phenomenal course and a great opportunity. John Strand is an amazing practitioner and just a really nice guy. I promise you, this is an awesome um, training and I would do it myself if I had time, honestly. Uh, But unfortunately, uh, I can't this time around, but I will, as I, as the snow globe begins to settle, I will be doing it. All right, guys, it's the Simply Cyber Community Challenge. Lacey Cochran has the baton. Um, Lacey Cochran has the baton right now. Lacey uh, shared a Simply Cyber Community Challenge post last week. Uh, hashtag Simply Cyber Community Challenge. Here's the deal. Uh, hopefully Lacey's in chat and can tag somebody with the baton. If not, I will be happy to do it. 
go on LinkedIn. Listen, if you're watching this stream right now and you want your LinkedIn feed to grow as it, or let your LinkedIn network grow, first of all. Secondly, if you want your LinkedIn feed to be mostly cybersecurity, useful content, supportive posts and resources that you can use to improve your skill set, then pay attention. Go on LinkedIn, look for this hashtag right here, hashtag Simply Cyber Community Challenge. Connect with the people who are posting, because they are in this community. Connect with the people who are commenting, they're in this community. You will now be a commenter on those posts. As more people come through, they'll connect with you. You will build this professional network of like-minded, supportive, inclusive cybersecurity people. And the hashtag Simply Cyber Community Challenge post is the person's story. So you're gonna get an introduction, understand who they are, figure out if they resonate with you. Maybe you follow up with them in a conversation. Maybe you have a 15 minute meet and greet. I don't know, but believe me when I tell you this, networking is unbelievably valuable. It is unbelievably valuable. It's so valuable. I have been asked to do the keynote at uh, B-Sides Charleston this year, which I'm super honored to do. And my keynote speech is going to be around the power in the utility of professional networking. It is so important that I'm compelled to do an entire talk on it. The final thing I wanna tell you guys is, it is Tidbits Tuesday, I will be quick about this. Every single day of the week does have a special little uh, a segment. And on Tuesdays, I share a little bit about myself, see if, if we jive together. Now, I know uh, the music already stopped, so let me just sh share this with you. I am a massive, uh, I love beer, but like, dude, I have a special place in my heart for beer label art. Okay. I don't know if anyone else is this way, but like, yes, I love the taste of beer. I love the artisanal aspects of beer, but like the art is another dimension of beer for me. And I freaking love beer can art. Like I'll, I'll go to a, a really big, uh, beer emporium or whatever, and just spend like a half hour looking at the can art. It's so cool. It's so cool. Now, the can art doesn't necessarily mean that the beer is good. I've had a couple yikes, uh, but for the most part, if you like beer can art, let me know in chat. Uh, holler at you. All right. All right. Kevin Green, let us know if you want to take on the Simply Cyber Community Challenge, please. British high school suffers a cyber attack and goes offline. Just in time for back to school, the Church of England Debenham High School, a private high school in the eastern county of Suffolk in the UK, saw an attack last week, although representatives from the school state that, thanks to up-to-date safeguards, no personal information was lost and that restoration is happening quickly. Although this appears as a singular occurrence, it still serves as a reminder that schools and hospitals remain in the crosshairs of many cyber attack groups, especially those institutions that lack the resources or collective awareness to institute protections such as DMARC for emails. All right. All right. So high school, single high school, forced offline, no data exfil, um, maybe ransomware, not 100% sure. I have a hot take, okay? I agree. So schools are getting hosed. Schools are getting attacked. Here's my one thing. It's usually like school systems that are getting hacked. This one seems like a one-off. Um, I'm going to go out on a limb here, okay? Like, here's the deal. If you work in uh, education or state and local municipalities, you can use this story to um, further improve your pitch deck, if you will, for lack of a better term, to get funds from uh, executives and stuff. 
Uh, it's forced offline. I'm sure they're able to still hold uh, hold uh, class and stuff like that. Uh, they do say that uh, they can't provide a precise time scale for full restoration. Unfortunately, if they were doing tabletop exercises with any level of frequency, they would be able to give you precise time scales. Uh, if you actually did business impact analysis, right? I know this is boring, but guess what? Blocking and tackling fundamentals, they're there for a reason. I don't care if they're boring. There's a term called RTO and RPO. These are values that the business should be able to tell you return, uh, excuse me, recovery time objective and recovery point objective. They're, they're business continuity related um, met, um, values, but the business should tell you what your RTO is, and then you should have the tech stack in place and trained to be able to achieve that RTO, which basically means how long can you be down, right? Can you be down two days, three days, five days? How long until it's catastrophic to the business? That's what RTO stands for. So this right here, this one sentence alone tells me that they don't practice their tabletop exercises at all. Uh, Jesse Johnson with some gifted subs. Friends. Yep. Thank you, Jesse, for the gifted subs. If you're one of the uh, recipients of that, congratulations. Please uh, check out the squad emote tray and definitely get on some of that. Uh, the final thing I'll say about this, and this is my speculative hot take. So those new squad members, you can use the tinfoil hat, Jerry, if you want. Um, just based on, based on my gut, my gut alone, this feels like, okay, this feels not done by a threat actor. This right here is a lone wolf high schooler at that school who was attempting to either do the lulls, impress the friends, or just be um, like watch the world burn kind of thing. I don't know if there'll ever be a follow-up on this one, but just based on I, I don't know. It's got like, it seems so isolated. It doesn't seem like there was really any type of like um, activity on object like there was no objective to the attack it was just like a lash out plus I think of like lapsus and those two high schooler kids that were running lapsus and how they got busted so there's obviously some little segment in there again I think I think that this is not I, I, this is not related to like lockbit ransomware and royal ransomware and all these like this seems like a high schooler doing this okay it just, I don't, I can't explain why. I just feel that way, okay? I mean, I, I just explained why, but I know it's not really good evidence. It's not very substantial evidence, but. University of Sydney suffers breach. All right, here we go. In another school-related cyber attack story, this occurrence has been described by university representatives as a breach, quote, suffered by a third-party service provider that exposed the personal information of recently applied and enrolled international applicants, end quote. The school says the breach affected only a small number of these applicants and did not affect local students, staff, alumni, or donors. The school has not elaborated on the type of information exposed or the nature of the attack, but did say that it affected only a single platform within the university's systems. Yeah. All right, the so Windows this is one of those ones where this sucks, okay? So th this is not... You know, you guys, I don't know if you picked up on what just happened here, so if you're new here, I'll give you a second to think about or pause, right? And then I'll give you the answer to what happened here. Even though this is a University of Sydney problem, it wasn't University of Sydney's problem. Cool. 
some third-party service that University of Sydney hired out to do something. They mentioned international students, so if I had to guess, it's some type of vetting of international students, some type of background screening, some type. I know in the United States, international students have to furnish financial information in order to prove that they can pay the tuition. Maybe something like that. Some third-party person outside of University of Sydney configured some type of data share to be publicly facing when they couldn't, sorry. And the, the, and the breach was found. Okay, that's it. Period, end of story. That's the deal. Third-party risk is a thing. University of Sydney gets to wear all of the shame, right? Um, let, me, let me do this. I, I wish I was better at that. Hold on, come on. Oh my God, come on. Um, can we, why can't I, um, I need a jiffy. I, I, and I said, oh my God. Yeah, here we go. It's better when the mods drop it because it just pops up for me. So University of Sydney is getting shame, shame. But unfortunately, it's somebody else's problem um, that was a downstream issue for University of Sydney. So they got that going for them. Uh, the final thing I'll say about this is um, the, the, I don't know how this open exposed thing was found, but I do want to point out, and this isn't like a, 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 I'm not selling Fortrace. I'm not related to them in any way, but I did interview uh, this guy named Nick Ascoli, uh, who's the CEO and founder of this company called Fortrace at Black Hat. And this platform is used for finding exposure and data leaks and stuff like that. And he basically built the company uh, out of all of the manual processes that he regularly does to find them. So if you're interested in data leaks and exposure, finding them, um, you should definitely check out either Fortrace or check out Nick's um, um, GitHub repo. Um, let me see if I can find it. Yeah, Deep Dark CTI. This is uh, Nick's thing right here. He's one of the main contributors of this. I know I'm a little bit off of topic right now, but definitely check, check this out. Um, I really liked this guy, um, Nick Ascoli. All right, let's keep going. 11.23H2 update is almost here. Microsoft has released the most anticipated features of its upcoming mid-year update to Windows 11 to testers in the beta channel. According to Bleeping Computer, these are Copilot, an AI assistant that works with Bing Chat, an oh. updated file explorer interface that allows for faster and more intuitive access to files, and an improved power use energy report, including a battery usage per app feature that monitors energy consumption on an app-by-app -app basis. Windows will disable insecure TLS soon. Okay, hold on. Like, what was that? Like, okay, so... Okay, like, I, I get it. I get it. I get it. Um, Windows 11, you know, they do these big half-year rollouts and stuff like that. And it cool, like, we get to see power consumption and whatever the other two options were. AI, of course, I should have known AI. Shall we play a game? Here's my thing. Like, I think it's kind of funny. Um, I guess we are Windows users, so we can't be like, Mrr. But, like, it is funny that, like, the story is about usability features, not about security features, right? This is classic end-user marketing. 
if they said, uh, you know, like there's also, um, you know, new security, like we would care, but end users might be like, meh. But does it have AI? Does it have AI? So anyways, whatever. Um, again, if you're gonna roll this out, this is more of your IT people than your infosec people. But if you're gonna roll this out, uh, do it in a staged approach. Cause you know, obviously there's gonna be uh, some hiccups for some organizations and you know, you just wanna be careful. In additional Windows news, Microsoft will be disabling the insecure transport layer we go. security TLS 1.0 and 1.1 protocols by default in future releases, but the option to re-enable them manually will still exist. These two protocols were replaced by TLS 1.3 in March 2018. Even before the pandemic, we have... Okay, really quick here. Really quick. Again, I like Microsoft... Microsoft, um, I've said this on the stream a few times. Back in the day, guys, Microsoft used to like ship it on Monday and fix it on Wednesday, right? Like they were they were quick to go to market with all sorts of crappy, buggy, you know, issues. Uh, and ever since, um, I don't know when, I don't know what the turning point was, but maybe like five six years ago, they they started getting really serious about security, being proactive, doing lots of good stuff. Disabling macros, like protecting end users from themselves. Here's another example where like there isn't a lot of primary use cases where you need to support insecure TLS. Now, because there are fringe use cases, because there is OT and, and like homegrown apps and other crap out there that is running uh, and requires some, you know, TLS 1.1 or whatever it is. Um, they will allow you to manually turn it back on so they're not hard coding it off. But I appreciate this because at the end of the day, most of us will not notice that it gets disabled and most of us will be protected because it's not available to threat actors to force a downgrade of the connection down to a lower um, level of security, okay? <laughs> so, um, yeah. So anyways, this is cool. I like it. Fun fact, um, since I just see this really quickly and we have just a couple minutes, Microsoft, and it says TLS. You guys may be wondering, like SSL, TLS, why Why is that? Why is it T? Like it's HTTPS. It's an SSL, like, you know, you know, secure socket layer. Like why did they change it to TLS? This is not an original take. I do not know all of the ins and outs, but there's a guy on Twitter um, who's really, really engaged in the cybersecurity community. He's been around a while. I've never met him pos uh, in person, but his name is Arata Rob. I think it's Rob Graham on Twitter. Let me see this really quickly. He he has some really, really interesting, like, um, some really, really interesting posts about about this. Well, in general, he's a, I would call him a must follow on Twitter, but he's got, um, Sometimes, like if he's at an airport at a uh, in an, a, a a layover, he'll post like these really really interesting stories um, that are like history lessons. Oh my god! Okay, so damn it. Here, I'll I'll just do this one. This is not the same one, but it gives you an indication. I got a three-hour layover at an airport. Let's talk about the OSI model and why it's a lie. And he just goes and talks about how like the idea of the OSI model is is. It, it was like a flex by the industry. 
Um, have a good day, not only IT. Anyways, he's got another one about TLS and SSL. And basically, SSL, here's the deal. SSL was created by Netscape. Netscape was like first to market for the internet and web browser. If you guys remember Netscape Navigator. And then Microsoft IE came out. And Microsoft was so pissed that Microsoft wrote a new standard called TLS to replace SSL and then like shoved it down. And basically what they were trying to do is like eradicate, it, it, like not genocide, but like eradicate the idea that Netscape even existed. Uh, and that was part of that thing because Netscape created SSL and TLS and Microsoft didn't want them around. So anyways, little fun fact. I Go check out Arata, uh, Rob on Twitter. Been increasingly living in online collaboration apps. So why are organizations oh, still making basic security mistakes with them? Hold on. That's what we looked. Hold on. We got a couple minutes here. Let me jump over to this guy. What, how much time do I have here? All right, I got a couple minutes. We'll do this one. No, no, this one. All right, guys, that's going to do it for today's news. I know it was a little choppy. I've got a boogie to, uh, to go teach here at the Citadel. Um, guys... Brandon, I bought a mug and a shirt on campus the other day. I was like, mm, I'll wear these on uh, teaching days. Um, guys, hope you had a great stream. Hopefully you enjoyed um, enjoyed the show. As always, I love it. It is episode 444, so make a wish. Uh, if you're one of those people who looks at the clock when it's all the same number and makes a wish, um, we do that for fun here. Uh, hope you guys had a great, uh, great stream. Uh, let's see, it's Tuesday, so... Tomorrow is Wednesday. I'll be hosting um, Virginia Case for our final episode of Market Your Cyber Self series, episode eight of eight. Uh, so don't, if you've been watching that uh, Simply Cyber original series over the last couple months, you know how good it's been. So we'll be wrapping up um, that. Sorry, Carrie, I won't be doing uh, jaw jacking right now. I do have to run uh, both the class and I have a business meeting at 9 a.m. Uh, m much more to follow. Um, today's the first day of a new era for Simply Cyber, myself. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll do a proper uh, announcement uh, when I have time. I got to put together a PowerPoint and uh, be able to share it with all of you. Great. King Victory, thank you so much, guys. Be good to each other. Um, I got to go. Thank you all so very much. I'm Jerry, your chat. Until tomorrow at 8 a.m., stay secure. Have a great day, everybody. Thank you. Everybody, I hope you enjoyed that content. Keep the cybersecurity train going by connecting with the other Simply Cyber community resources. We have the Discord server that's lively and always keeps the conversation going. You can connect with me directly on LinkedIn. And also every single weekday morning on the Simply Cyber channel, we're doing live daily cyber threat briefings, 8 a.m. Eastern time, as well as Thursday at 4.30 p.m. We're doing live stream interviews with industry experts, and we produce videos that we push out every Wednesday morning. I'm Jerry from Simply Cyber. I hope you enjoyed the content, and we'll see you in the next one. One.